Welcome to season four of the Do More Good podcast. You're listening to the Do More Good podcast. The Do More Good podcast. Uh, welcome to Do More Good podcast. Do more good. Do good, do more. Do more good podcast. Do more good podcast. That's what you want me to say. Okay. You're listening to the Do More Good podcast. Live from a cafe in central London, this is your 14th favourite social good show, the Do More Good Podcast. Always room for improvement, Jimbo. Here we are, James, episode number 57 of the Do More Good Podcast. How are you doing? Kenneth, I'm, I'm amazing. I'm living my best life. I've got a, I've got a pack of Marks and Spencer's cashew nuts. So. Wow. Yeah, I'm having a great time. I mean, these the are the kind time. of highlights that, that I'm enjoying in lockdown. That's what my life has become. That that's a real. <laughs> this is a big night out for me now. You just had to go beyond my posh crisps that I had on the on the last episode that we recorded, right? You you upped the ante on that. I mean, they were <laughs> they were impressive. Yeah. How are you? Yeah, I'm I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, I, I guess every time we do one of these, it's been a couple of weeks now. You know, nothing really much has changed. Still busy as ever, still homeschooling the kids. I must admit, I, had, I found it quite difficult, actually. Last week was the most difficult week I've had for the, for the last three months. I think, you know, just lots going on on, on all realms and, and lots going on at work, lots going on at home in the homeschooling. And yeah, I'm, I'm really getting bored of going to the loo in my house. And it's thinking like, it reminded me of being at primary school, going to the toilet. because <laughs> I just haven't taught my six-year-old boy quite where the pan is correctly at the moment so i'm cleaning the toilet more than i'd like to but other than that blaming it on your six-year-old is, is <laughs> cruel I mean, but last week um, i had last week off so actually last week was my my best week of the year but i can understand we had for context we had beautiful weather last week so maybe that was part of it you're looking out of your windows and it's don't know, beautiful yeah maybe and, and you've had out. a haircut I have. Well, it's funny, actually. Lots of people have mentioned this. I have had a haircut. At the time of recording, we're not allowed haircuts. So I, we actually borrowed, we borrowed kind of, uh, I've admitted this at work, so I might as well admit it here, that we actually borrowed my neighbour's dog clippers and just kind of buzzed it around the sides and go, yeah, but she's, you know, my wife's done it. She's done a pretty good, done an okay job. Yeah. I was going to say pretty good is stretching it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see, I mean, we'll see how it grows out. There could be there could be tufts all over the place. But. Yeah, and have you seen anything interesting this week, or anything that's 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 caught your eye? Or well, about... do you know what? I've been doing a lot of I've been doing a lot of research today on our guest. Oh, I've been blown okay. away by that. Yeah, that'll be coming yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely co- definitely come on to that. Yeah, he's a great guest we've got for you, for you this week. But um, yeah, I've had a few. I, I mean, I, I think it's you know we're what date? We're the first of July today when we're recording this. I must admit, I'm seeing so many people now being hitting that redundancy and losing their roles. And I actually put a message out on LinkedIn. I think we touched on it last time, just saying, look, if I can help anyone in any way, like give you some advice. And I've had some had some calls last week and and the week before. And yeah, it, it just feels like it's it's really starting to bite a little bit at the moment. Yeah, I think there were announcements today, weren't they? A, a, a couple of other businesses mm. closing and making mass redundancies and things. So, yeah, yeah so that had a knock-on effect on us. 
I think it, yeah, hope everyone's kind of keeping well. And I think there's, there's hopefully going to be um, still lots of opportunities out there and hopefully people will, will end up on their feet. And I think one of the things that I've been trying to do, and this kind of goes back to what I was saying at the start, is just be appreciative of what I've got. Realise actually how lucky I am. And I'm kind of trying to write down at the end of the day something that, that was a success, you know, be it something small, be it, be it just a, a moment or an experience or an email or a conversation, but just something to, to kind, of, kind of reflect on. And, and that seems to be helping. So mm. I don't know if anyone else find, finds that useful. But, uh, but yeah, but look, enough rambling on. Should we crack on with our guest who's very patiently waiting? So we've got a real fundraising superstar this week. And he's smiling at the word superstar because uh, it's not a, not a compliment we throw, throw around often. But when it comes to doing more good, this, real, this man really encapsulates everything it means to, to be a good fundraiser. And we're really excited to hear not only about his, his journey from being a volunteer fundraiser, that, but also how he led then to become a professional fundraiser uh, whilst continuing his own personal efforts. And so our guest left university 2008 and after completing a sports, a sports science, science degree and whilst raising thousands for Islamic Relief and, and Teenage Cancer Trust. I guess then took his first role with a charity fresh out of university before embarking on a career in youth work, supporting young people with the benefits of exercise and recreation. And then in January 2016, he joined Penny Appeal to lead their fundraising efforts from challenges and sporting events. And he really hasn't looked back. And there really isn't much our guest doesn't know about how to raise funds. He's completed six London marathons, um, numerous treks, half marathons, raising hundreds of thousands of pounds. And actually, his most recent challenge, which I'm sure we'll come on to, which was inspired by the 2.6 challenge, um, was to run 260 kilometers during Ramadan, which is an absolute monumental effort. I mean, I'm sure everyone who's seen that was just, you know, flabbergasted at how amazing it was. No water for, what, 14 to 16 hours a day, no food, fasting during Ramadan as well. And he went on to raise over £55,000 for, for Penny Peel, which is amazing. And alongside that, he's, he's inspiring fundraising he also continues to work day in day out with supporters there isn't much that he doesn't know around kind of peer-to-peer fundraising and helping others to achieve their potential he's motivating he's humble super nice guy and we're really pleased when he decided to accept our invite so i'd like to welcome haroon Mata to the do more good podcast haroon how are you doing thanks for the uh, very <laughs> flattering introduction <laughs> great to be here thank you <laughs> no worries at all no worries at all if we can't if we can't flatter our guests at the start then uh, you know when can we do it Arun look we do we do really appreciate your time you know it's, it's great to have you on and I'm, I'm sure there won't be many people who are listening particularly around who either work in fundraising or or kind of serial fundraisers who maybe haven't come a, across one of your posts on on various <laughs> social media platforms but Arun just to just to start off can you can you tell us the, the backstory? Where where did it start for you in terms of the kind of whole fundraising journey? It started about um, I'd say fifteen years ago. Uh, I've always been very keen on hiking and the outdoors, so I was uh, on my way hiking down Mount Snowdon. I think back in the days then, uh, I think the outdoors very, weren't very diverse, so you know very rarely would I bump into. Uh, people of ethnic origin, you know, particularly Muslims or Asian people on, on mountains. But there was this one instance when I was coming down Mount Snowden and in a very far distance, I could see what looked like, you know, like small brown faces. And I just thought, no, nah, I can't be. But there was a whole group of Muslim women on the mountain and it kind of just really caught my eye. And I thought my eyes were kidding me. Uh, so whilst they were coming up and I was coming down, I said, what's going on here? Like Muslim women on a mountain. 
and I, I learned that these were ladies from Islamic Relief hiking for their Action for Africa appeal. And it really kind of hit home for me. The fact that I'd been hiking for several years just for leisure, but I discovered that these women were hiking for charity and it kind of gave me that incentive to get involved. At the time, I exchanged contact details with the charity rep. I thought I'd never hear from them, but a week later, they contacted me about selling tickets for a charity dinner. And uh, I just got involved in community fundraising initiatives, volunteering. But of course, for me, hiking and outdoors and sports was uh, my passion. So I very soon signed up to trek to Mount Everest Base Camp for Islamic Relief. This was 2007 I signed up. I was in my final year of university. And I just got hooked, addicted to fundraising. And I just went on a journey that just kept me involved in good causes, charity. I mean, I was in my final year of university and I thought, you know, this is a great opportunity to graduate and then head to the Himalayas. And back then, you know, there was very little social media. There wasn't any, I don't think Twitter was around then or not. There wasn't, there wasn't any WhatsApp or Instagram. So, but I used Facebook very, very, uh, very effectively to kind of uh, put my cause out there. And I was on a bit of a relentless journey. I ended up raising like £20,000 in my first ever fundraiser. And I think that's what kind of started me off and I was hooked when I got back. Certainly, <laughs> the, the person that followed up with you, that charity rep who, who called you after that, they must have had a massive promotion after that, right? You went on to raise, <laughs> was it about 100 grand for those guys? That was for Islamic Relief? Uh, probably more, probably more. Uh, but this was all on a, on a voluntary basis over a period of 10 years. A very kind of, very quickly became a senior volunteer with a charity, leading my own projects, organizing my own treks and leading people up mountains. And I was offered opportunities to work for charities at the time as well in the British sort of like Muslim charity sector. But I very quickly kind of declined. It wasn't anything I was interested in doing. Uh, for me, just kind of dedicating my time on a voluntary basis is what I thoroughly enjoyed. I love traveling. I love meeting new people and I love just that satisfying, fulfilling, rewarding experience. You get that feeling you get when you know you're helping someone in need. Yeah. And, and, and I kind of sometimes say that, oh, you know, what a fluke it was that I bumped into and got involved into charity on a mountain or what coincidence it was. But I'd say like, you know, it's, it's destiny really. Yeah. But God planned best. Yeah, absolutely. Here we are. Here we are 15 years later. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And probably for another 15 years to come as well, and more, I'm sure. Arun, so, you, so you, you, you were doing this volunteer fundraising. I mean, you talked about you were, you were passionate about it. And, and, how did, and, you, and, you, and I think from you know, the conversations we've had in the past, you were also, you were doing youth work was your kind of professional life at that, that time. You, you, you worked in a variety of different roles around that. How did you then make that transition from volunteer fundraiser and actually think, okay, I'm, I'm going to go into this from a professional side as well? Yeah, so I started involving myself in youth work at a very young age, uh, probably the age of 17. I was volunteering for youth inclusion projects and taking up a bit of part-time paid work. So even after I graduated, I carried on staying involved in that, but all the time I was still kind of doing voluntary fundraising. It was only until I think 2011. Uh, I took on my first like, proper full-time job to work at uh, UCLH Hospital in London to work on the teenage cancer ward um, at the hospital there. 
and I was commuting for, from Coventry to London every day, which kind of sounds crazy when I think about it now. I did that commute for five years. <laughs> Probably you could have you could have fundraised for that. <laughs> I, sh- I should have, yeah. Uh, it was ridiculously expensive. I could have paid off half my mortgage uh, if I spent that money. <laughs> I mean, it was ridiculously expensive, but I had such a rewarding job, you know, being able to offer you know recreational for support, emotional support to young people who have uh, cancer. It, it was so so rewarding. It, it, it's strange. It's like I started the job in 2011. I used to get off the train at Euston Station in the morning and I'd step onto the Euston Road and you'd see people like running the streets, you know, like running, whether it's run commuting or just, just running. And you don't see that in Coventry here. Like who, who runs over here? No one. So I think kind of like, I don't know, I kind of registered that in my heart. Like, oh, what's with these people? Surely like, these people are, you know, super determined and, you know, they've got something that drives them to run. It kind of like triggered something in my head. But that same year, it was the year of the Olympics, uh, London 2012, Teenage Cancer Trust were recruiting for the 2012 London Marathon. And I thought, you know what, I've never thought about running a marathon, but why not give it a go? Uh, you know, tick it off the bucket list. Uh, so I signed up to run the 2012 London Marathon that year. Um, I think that was my first experience of running. And I, I, I went on a fundraising uh, journey through running you know for a few years whilst I was there but it was only say five years later when I found myself looking for a change I was I couldn't pay that commute anymore I mean it was just ridiculously expensive <laughs> Penny Appeal actually headhunted me and they, they, they were looking for someone like me to fulfill a community fundraising role in the Midlands and at that time even though working in fundraising was the one thing I didn't want to do mainly because of the association I had with Islamic Relief and knowing how hard community fundraisers work and how much sometimes it takes over their lives. And I just didn't want that heavy workload. I wanted to kind of spend more time with my family and chill. So community fundraising was one thing that I just didn't want to do. However, at that time, I think I was just looking for change and it seemed like the only option I had. And I thought, you know what, this is such a big change working in a hospital to going to work in community fundraising it was very scary but I kind of took the gamble uh, I took my chance I thought you know what I, I do love charity and even though I've not planned to do it professionally let's give it a go and see how it goes and I've just loved it ever since and it's, it's the best move I've ever made I've kind of grown from strength to strength even though I started off working in community fundraising I was delivering challenge events for the charity penny appeal on the side but it turned out that the challenge events were doing so much better that I kind of made my role exclusive to head the challenge events program there. And we've been growing so much since. And of course I love fundraising myself and I've always made it that I need to stay true to who I am. And even though I'm helping other people and coaching other people in fundraising and delivering events, I think it's so important for me to carry on doing what I love. And that means, you know, signing up to that marathon or climb that mountain and I think that's one thing that I've, uh, I've always loved doing. I've always thrived as a personal sort of fundraiser. And uh, that's what I've done just most recently um, in, in, in my last fundraiser as well. Just to go back to the beginning of that, my friend was on a TCT ward at um, UCH on the Euston Road. So you're, you're already a hero in, in my eyes. And then your fundraising, the numbers that you are talking about there, you'll undoubtedly be an inspiration to lots of fundraisers out there. Do you always... Do you always set out with big goals and big targets to hit? And how do you go about realising that? Because it must be scary to hit 
thousands it is, of times. It, it is, it is. And the, the motto I kind of live by and sort of the optimism I have, uh, I guess, the, the, the drive that I carry, I always say that, uh, you know, it's not a challenge if you're, if, you, if you're not pushing yourself. And when you take on a, a charitable venture, the challenge comes in two parts, the physical aspect of climbing that mountain or running that marathon, but also, you know, how much you're going to fundraise. And it's important to kind of push yourself we, we often kind of uh, hear charities talking about the minimum sponsorship, but obviously that's the least amount that you're required to do that for that charity. And it's not a challenge if you're aiming for the minimum. So I always set my, my own targets and I'm kind of setting my own standards. Sometimes I aim high. I think, God, why, why did I aim for 10 grand? Why have I aimed for 20 grand? <laughs> it means now that for the next three, four months, I've got to be like, relentless in my fundraising efforts, you know, be on my phone 24 seven proactively, fundraising on social media and my wife hates me for it <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure there's other things as well <laughs> <laughs> but i think from the very start when, when i did that first fundraiser trekking to everest base camp for islamic relief i think the charity were looking for 3250 and that's what i set the bar up to start with but very quickly i set it to 5000 and seven and a half then 10 12 and a half 15 20 and uh, i think ever since then i kind of never aim for the minimum I always set high and often when I set my own challenges you know like running multiple marathons or multiple half marathons it was always about making sure that I push myself no regrets it's always so much more fulfilling when you reach that finish line of the physical challenge knowing that you gave it your best uh, and I always fundraise for causes that I believe in causes that I'm very passionate about and it means that when it comes to selling that cause to the people, the donors, those who you expect to get uh, donations from, you can just do it so much better when the, the cause is personal and personal to you. And that's what I've always mm -hmm. done. So when I, when I was working at UCLH Hospital, for me, you know, I was working on the ward with cancer patients or seeing young people in can with cancer every single day. I mean, that, that, that hurt a lot, especially, you know, when you'd walk into the ward one day and the person that was in that bed is no longer there. And that was uh, kind of, it became the norm. So it was a cause that I was very passionate about. So I ran the London Marathon for Teenage Cancer Trust twice. I skydived for them and I did lots of other fundraising ventures. So even uh, despite being an, ex an expert youth worker on a ward, like they recognised me as the guy who fundraises and the Teenage Cancer Trust itself kind of were very grateful for all of the fundraising activities I was involved in myself in back then as well. I think you know what's unique about you, Haroon, and, and you know, hearing you talk about it is that quite often and I think I can speak for a lot of fundraisers out there who are professional fundraisers is that it becomes increasingly more difficult as you go on mm. to do your own personal fundraising you know I think I've got to the point now where I can probably get away with doing once a year and because you're working so tirelessly day in day out with it it's sometimes difficult to come and and really make that that monumental effort to do for you personally but that doesn't seem to be a challenge for you and you talked about being addicted to fundraising when you when you you first started off and you were you loved the buzz that it was getting I'm interested to know how did did that change at all when you moved into a penny appeal for example and, and and took on that role where you had those same challenges that you know all fundraisers faced where here's a target you know this is what we've got to do in terms of how many people we've got to recruit this is did that professionalism around the, the sector and fundraising change anything for you at all? Or did you just soldier on? I think I was under a lot of pressure at the start 
because I guess I came with a reputation as being a very, very good fundraising volunteer. And then when you're working at the, in a professional capacity, it's like, God, like, oh, you know what? Haroon is this superstar volunteer at Islamic Relief who's always getting shout outs on their social media. So like people kind of knew who I was, but I felt that kind of came with an added pressure. But I think I started off my job on the front foot, very, very active. I remember that I think I started my job in, in January 2016. In February was the Coventry Half Marathon, which is my local half. And when I knew I was leaving my job in, in London at UCH Hospital, I think three months before I even started this job, once I took the offer, I already started working on, on the project for the Coventry Half Marathon. We recruited, I think, 80-odd runners and we raised 50 grand, which was like fantastic for the charity, especially because you know they weren't active in challenge events. And I kind of that, that set the bar for sort of challenge events in terms of what I was delivering. Uh, but in terms of personal fundraising, like you say, you know, when you become a serial fundraiser, progressively it becomes more and more difficult because people kind of think, God, he wants that money again. Like, what's he doing this time? <laughs> what I find is that, like, I can't do the same challenge again. Like, if I say, hey, I'm going to run the Paris Marathon, please sponsor me. Like, why are people going to sponsor me? Because, like, a marathon is considered to be relatively easy for me now so maybe I have to run multiple marathons so I think I started off doing I think one year I ran four consecutive half marathons and five consecutive halves and I started doing like consecutive full marathons which became really difficult I think each time I found a new way of I don't know pushing myself and that's the, the amazing thing about fundraising and challenges you can be as creative as you want there's no rules and that's what I loved about the 2.6 challenge as well. You know what, do whatever you want, be as crazy, innovative as you want. And I guess when you're a fundraiser, you have the opportunity to set the narrative and to decide how and why people should donate to your cause. Uh, and I you think sort of Eddie Izzarded yourself, didn't you? Because Eddie, didn't they had sport relief where people would go and do things and then Eddie Izzard turned up and did... 50 marathons in 50 days and the celebrity community must have just been absolutely furious with him because now they do these crazy triathlons across the country and they've got a trek to the highest I'm I'm always inspired by the amazing and crazy things that people do particularly right now in lockdown we've seen so many amazing stories Captain uh, Moore and his his walks and all the inspirational stories it's just absolutely amazing and for me I constantly gain inspiration from seeing these stories and also the people, the fundraisers I work with now on a daily basis, those who I'm supporting in their fundraising journeys, you know, someone coming to do their first 5K or their first half marathon or someone, you know, wanting to trek Mount Snowden for the first time. And when they go on their personal journeys and I can influence their goals and help them stay motivated and become better fundraisers, seeing other people fulfill their goals, that really inspires me to kind of, Uh, keep on going and I guess for me it's important to kind of lead by example as well because I'm kind of giving others fundraising advice it's only uh, acceptable that I too push hard I show people innovative ways to fundraise I kind of explicitly show how passionate I am and I express that through all of my 24-7 social media antics uh, so much so that uh, you know, London Marathon blocks me on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that wasn't me, by the way. <laughs> that was uh, funny, by the way. Yeah, that was a, a few years ago. This was when I was fundraising for teenage cancer. So I didn't do anything bad, but I think I was just being over, what's the word? Over enthusiastic. Uh, so, you know, when London Marathon are posting, you know, just 
oh yeah, by the way, I'm, I'm running London Marathon for Teenage Cancer Trust, great course, please sponsor me. But I probably posted it too many times. And uh, for, I think for, for, the, for about four or five years, I was just unable to comment on London Marathon posts. So, 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 so Haroon came and spe- I have to explain this now. He came to, we invited him to speak at Meet the Experts this year, which he did an absolutely brilliant job. I mean, you know, as you probably just heard from the last 20 minutes, I think you'll struggle to find a most, a more determined, passionate, you know, relentless fundraiser than Haroon. So it was great to have him there and to kind of, you know, Meet the Experts is all about kind of people who are fresh into it and, you know, maybe haven't fundraised before. Um, but yeah, one of the things he grabbed me at the start, he's like, I've been blocked on Facebook for a couple of couple of years. Can you can you sort that out? I was like, yes, we'll sort it out. I don't know what had happened, but yeah, I'm not taking any responsibility. But Haroon, just coming back onto, um, firstly, I want to just touch on your your career and, and, and from, a, from a career point of view. I mean, firstly, going in and, and raising 80K from the Coventry half before you had even started the job you've put yourself at the you know you've put yourself up there when you're first starting I mean it's it's only it's only downhill from there if me and James had done that I think um, you know we'd struggle to do that but I'm interested in in how how do you how do you approach your the professional side of your fundraising career I mean you've, you've done well at Penny Appeal how do you continue to develop and, and, and improve your skills to become a, a better fundraiser and ultimately I guess raise more money for for the causes that you're working for uh, i think you have to be quite sort of open open to learn I'm, I'm constantly learning there's plenty great practice happening out there from more established charities more established fundraisers staying up to date with technology and sometimes i guess since i started work there's never been a day where there hasn't been enough work and you know sometimes just creating more work for yourself sometimes i kind of hate myself for it and I'm, I'm creating more work for myself and I'm kind of committing to more events and I'm thinking god like why have I just bought you know 20 or 50 places for, for for that race it just means that we've got a headache and that pressure to deliver uh you know and sometimes the marketing team can't kind of keep up with the uh, uh, amount of, of work we're kind of requesting so I think it's important to kind of have that drive to kind of want to do more want to do want to do more but at the same time, you know, reflect regularly. Um, what are we doing good? What what, what can we improve? Uh, and accepting criticism from people who maybe have greater experiences, but also from people who haven't got a clue about fundraising, <laughs> which, we, <laughs> which we often get from uh, our charities. It's funny. They're like, oh, Haru, so why, why are you doing this for? And like, because it, it's bringing in the money. They're like, but why don't you do this? And they're like, no, I'm focusing on here. So sometimes you have to kind of believe in, and trust in yourself that you are the expert and you need that autonomy to kind of get on with what you're doing. And I love that in my role, I have so much autonomy. Uh, we do have a director of fundraising who I report to, but he kind of trusts me to kind of get on with my business. I, I, I'm still learning. Uh, to be honest, I, what I'd love to do more is maybe connect with more like-minded uh, professionals in the industry, people who are in similar roles, people who have you know, more established uh, say challenges departments and uh, some of the bigger charities have been doing this for years and they've probably got you know large teams you know working in corporate challenges and they've got their own marketing resources etc uh, and I, i'd love to meet more people and find out what i can do better and how i can perform better uh, so yeah I, i'm constantly learning i've only been uh with the charity for about four and a half years uh, which is i guess relatively uh, new, I guess, and it's same with yourself, Kenneth. You, uh, you're you're in your current uh, London Marathon position for the last couple of years. Is that correct? 
Yeah, yeah, two two years, and I yeah spent four four and a bit years before that at a charity in in fundraising. So yeah, quite a short yeah, so, amount of time. So yeah, so for me it's a bit strange. Like I still feel like I'm new to the charity sector, but at the same time I'm kind of labelled as like a you know a fundraising expert, charity expert. So I'm kind of think, am I am I really an expert? Or like am I am I, well, am I new? Like <laughs> it's interesting you talking about learning and tech because I looked at the the. Ramadan challenge that you put yourself through what was at 260k uh, for the 2.6. That's 10k every day, and you ended up raising 56,000 pounds. We just hit. We just hit. We just hit 56,000 pounds today, by the way. Ah, fantastic! A good <laughs> up-to-date stats. But the thing I was really impressed with, like the running was impressive, the fundraising was impressive, but the production values on those live videos. <laughs> my goodness, they were, they were impressive. You know Talking what? about yeah. learning and tech, you're teaching the rest of us about, you know, that is, that's the level we all need to be aspiring to, having you our own commentary team. We, we only decided to do that like two days before that last run. So it was all kind of last minute. I mean, I always had the idea of maybe just Facebook living my last run just for a bit of engagement and maybe getting a friend to kind of follow me on the run or with a bike. And I had that kind of feeling that maybe I haven't reached my target yet. And during my run, like we're asking for donations and, you know, we hit it. But uh, I, I reached my initial £25,000 target one week before the end of Ramadan. So I still had, what, seven runs, seven 10K runs to go. And at that time, I decided stupidly, uh, call it stupid, uh, to, <laughs> to up my target by 100%. So we went from 25 grand to 50. Uh, and I think that was purely, it was quite a gamble, but kind of, looking at the donation frequency that I was at one week before it was the story was going viral we were on BBC ITV and all I had to do was just keep pushing my story out on social media and help kind of steer my campaign so I was confident to be honest that you know what we'll hit 50 because the, the month of Ramadan itself is uh, massive for, for me Muslims and the wider community but it wasn't just a Muslim community that were giving. I, mean, I was getting donations globally from all sorts of backgrounds, people who were reading my story, which was amazing. And that only spurred me on to carry on going. Uh, but the day, of, the last day of Ramadan, that morning, we hit 50K and uh, we had planned for two cyclists to follow me on the bike. Uh, we had one kind of tracking me with his phone and gimbal doing it live. Thankfully, um, <laughs> the tech, uh, we tested it the day before, just to be sure that worked. We got a, uh, a presenter in uh, to the studio. We uh, booked in a few guests, including my my running coach and a few supporters who kind of commented on what I was doing and why. And we we had a few VTs with some of the appeal videos from refugee camps, which really kind of made the show engaging. And uh, for me, it was like, oh god, I'm running. I'm not going to be able to see the show. Like, <laughs> I want to see the show. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we had one guy who was kind of uh, had an earpiece in, and he was kind of telling me so and so has donated. Uh, so-and-so has called in and given you good luck and I think uh, for me you know fasting for 18 hours uh, you know no food and drink every day for 30 days it was a really really tough long stretch I mean when I when I started off like thinking that I've got another you know 25 10ks to do like at that time it was just like god how am I going to get through it but I straight stayed true to my goal my intentions and uh, you know, slowly, slowly, every day we ticked uh, one 10k off, and it came to that last day, and I felt like racing that last 10k. I just felt really energized. Uh, I wanted to kind of finish strong, and it just felt so amazing when I finished it. 
Wow. I mean, who goes seven days out and says, actually, we've done 25K. You know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to double it. We've, we've got seven days left. You know, we're just going to double it. I mean, that, that's just, you know, I, I love that, 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 Is there that determination. Is there something self-fulfilling in that? In that you just say, we're going to hit 50K. That's how it's going to be. And you're taking everybody with you on the journey. And well, therefore you do. Well, well, there's two things. One, well, I, I set a Facebook poll and said, guys, I'm going to hit 25K soon. And this was like just before I got there. And I said, shall I aim for... 30k 40k 50k to be honest i was just asking that just for the sake of social media engagement because because i knew in my head that i was going to aim for 50 um you know your mates are going to flood it and say for 50 anyway so <laughs> and, and a few yeah. people said 50 and some were saying 30 but you know what like i had in my head like 50k what i want to do is like i, I want to inspire fundraisers to kind of believe in themselves and Kenneth will kind of uh, reflect on this in, in my speech at, at the Meet the Experts event. One of my slides was, you know, aim high. You have to aim high. If you don't push yourself, you know, you're not out of your comfort zone and it's not really a challenge. So I, I want to kind of set the standards, uh, one for myself, because it tells me that, you know what, next Ramadan, that I can beat 50K or, or I, I should aim for, you know, a fundraiser for 100K, for example. So, that's one, but I also want to kind of inspire other people and uh, lead by example and show that, you know what, if you put your heart to something, if you aim high, if you work for it, you know, you can, you can achieve it. Yeah, I mean, I, interesting, you, you touched on it there, you used the word campaign when we were talking about this amazing video. And, and again, I'm sure there's not many people listening who haven't come across some of your, your content, but, you know, you, you, it, it almost appears like you've got a team of social media people behind you where, you know, you come up with the ideas at the start of the week and they just, they just run with it. And I know, you know, this is all you that, that's doing this and kind of setting it up. But I guess from a fundraising perspective, do you plan out how you will approach the campaign, counting down the weeks, looking at the different types of content that you might put out, different lives that you might do? Or are you just very spontaneous about it and you just kind of roll with it and see where it goes? Uh, I, I do a bit of both. So I think it's very, very important to be spontaneous because you've got to follow trends and you've got to just have instinct and do things at the time. At the same time, I will spend sometimes months planning a fundraising campaign. In this case, I was planning to run, you know, four marathons, four world major marathons. It was Berlin, London, Chicago, and New York. So I'd already set up my Just Giving page. That's the fundraising page you see now. It was only because uh, of the 2.6 challenge, I decided to switch my my challenge for that period of Ramadan, thinking it's a great opportunity to, for me to fundraise, rather than me spending the month of Ramadan telling people I'm going to run four marathons that might not take place. I might say, you know what, sponsor me now because I'm doing this now, and it just seemed right to do. And it was only on the fourth day of Ramadan I actually start, decided to take part in the 2.6 challenge. So I'd already started running, but for the sake of training, but not for the sake of the 260, if you know what I mean. Uh, so it was on the spur of the moment. I was actually out on a run thinking, you know, what can I do for the 2.6 challenge? And I thought, oh, I, don't, I don't know what to do. And then I thought, you know, 260 kilometers, even though my head works in miles, 260 kilometers seemed, seemed okay because, you know, it's 10K per day. But even before the 260K challenge, so for my four marathons, I already kind of planned out, I kind of spend time thinking about, what social media platforms I need to use. And of course, that's always all of them, you know, ideas for vlogs, blogs, uh, which, you know, key influencers I might want to kind of tag and engage, which media, 
agencies I might want to reach out to, notifying my local papers, etc., which are the sort of key departments at my own charity I need to kind of get on board to support me with this. So I kind of plan. And usually the time that when I'm running, uh, I like to spend that time to think about my fundraising. Uh, so if I'm out on an hour run or two hour run, that's really important time for planning. Sometimes I'm kind of preparing my script for my next social media post whilst I'm running. I kind of think, okay, I'm going to write this, write this. How am I feeling? Why am I writing this? And, and it's, it's the best time to actually plan because anything I post, I don't like to kind of post just for the sake of posting. I like it to have some meaning, uh, some substance, and whether it's explaining how you're feeling or why you didn't want to go out for that run or that you remembered this aspect of the cause that you're fundraising for, celebrating a milestone or thanking a supporter. I think everything needs to be thought out well. And when you plan and prepare a campaign well, and if you treat it as a campaign, mm. uh, then it means, you know, you've got to put time and effort into it and you'll definitely do well. And of course, uh, then there's being spontaneous and you've just got to do what you've got to do. Um, and during the month of Ramadan, a lot of that was just, for me, in the month of Ramadan, I was staying up every night because I had to drink three and three and a half litres of water, staying up in the night. And in Ramadan, a lot of Muslims stay up in the night. And I was just spending that time on Twitter fundraising. Like today's target is to raise another three grand in the night. And it's like, I think, I think when it came to the last 10 days of Ramadan, it was like today's target is to reach, uh, you know, 43,000 and tomorrow's target to reach 46. I was just staying up and in the night. I'm not going to sleep. It's 4 a.m. in the morning. I'm not going to sleep until we reach 53 grand. And if you look at my Twitter feed, you'll see all of these posts and, uh, it, 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 it worked. People feeling guilty for not letting me sleep. And they're like, oh, yeah, 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 Harun. Here's, here's 300 pounds to get you to 55 grand. Like, go to sleep now. <laughs> so, whilst Kenneth is off getting the drinks in, I'll just remind you that you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Do More Good Pod. Or take a look at the website, domoregood.uk, which is where you can sign up for the Do More Good newsletter. A reminder about new episodes, news on our latest plans, and perhaps some VIP content. Now, I'm a big fan of the like, whereas Kenneth is more of a retweet kind of guy. Either way, we'd love to hear from you with thoughts, suggestions, reviews, or just to let us know you got home okay. Anyway, he's on his way back now. Ramadan sounds pretty tough. You've also talked about sharing a stage with Kenneth Foreman, which we all know is, is terrifying. Is, <laughs> is, that the, is that the toughest challenge you've done? Or has there been anything else that rivals that? Uh, you mean uh, standing in front of 2,000 people and talking? That was scary. That was scary. It's, more, it's more worrying about what Kenneth is going to say next. <laughs> you know what? I, I, hate, uh, I hate public speaking. And that was so, so scary for me. I mean, I was over the moon when Kenneth contacted me to say, you know, we'd love to uh, have you on for Meet the Experts. I mean, for me to be associated with the London Marathon, Virgin Money Giving, speaking at Westminster Hall. It was Westminster Hall, right? I have got the venue. Yeah. For me, that's like a dream come true. And for me, in a personal capacity, but also for my career, like that's just like massive. But the scary thing of preparing a presentation, I remember when Kenneth says, oh, you know, how to prepare a presentation. Like it, that, 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 that kind of took me a while. Although I had ideas in my head, just to articulate it, in, it visually was difficult. And then it came to presenting it and that was, was I don't think I've ever spoken in front of that many people uh, but I love the setup uh, it was nice uh, nice venue and you've got the, the massive screen of uh, you know visual aids to help you kind of uh, remember what you're what you've planned to say and I kind of just took it in my stride and the feedback was incredible uh, the, the, the fundraisers who 
showed their appreciation for what I said, what I demonstrated. Uh, so much uh, positive feedback on social media. People contacting me saying that my personal fundraising story with you know grief and loss and how they uh, related to that and also just the inspiration that people had. So yeah, that was scary, Kenneth. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you, you say that you don't you don't really like being. I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm not really buying this not liking being on the stage thing because we like an award winner on the Do More Good podcast, but. Um, we are taking it to the extreme here. You, you won the Spirit of Britain Award in 2019. You got a Good Citizen Award from Coventry's Lord Mayor in 2018. You were finalist in the British Muslim Awards in 2018 and 2017. You were a JG life-changing finalist in 2017 and a finalist in the Muslim News Awards in 2016. Yeah, I mean, you're a, you're a BDIAC, a big deal <laughs> in award ceremonies. It puts... I kind of came to second place in a Ryan Gosling lookalike competition to, to shame, didn't it? I keep getting uh, finalists, but I never win anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you know what? Uh, uh, we never do anything for like that recognition, but when you do get that appreciation, it does feel good. It, it I guess it tells you that you you're, you're doing well, but it just gives me the inspiration to keep on pushing, keep on working, uh, and I think. This year, for me, having the opportunity to talk, at, uh, meet the experts, kind of lifted my own motivation, my, my own confidence uh, and self-esteem, just kind of being able to talk in front of that much people and get that such uh, positive feedback. Uh, I just want to kind of do bigger and better things and keep uh, inspiring other people to kind of have the same level of drive that I do. Mm. I mean, I think that's, that's a theme of this conversation. It sounds like a theme of your life in general Arun is just in inspiring others to to be the best to push themselves past the boundaries and and, and achieve what they can what they can achieve how does that manifest itself in other realms of your life Arun I'm, I'm interested in that you know we all know Arun the, the fundraiser but family man as well you are you pushing you have children uh, I've got four-year-old Aisha Aisha yeah I'm sure she's gonna she, are you encouraging her are you pushing her inspiring her to be the best as she can be Definitely, definitely. She starts school in September and uh, she's missing a bit of nursery at the moment, but she's uh, an amazing little girl. I want her to kind of do well in terms of uh, physical activity, sport and, uh, you know, she she, she loves, right now she's trying to get me to, as in physically, she wants me to help her climb the walls, I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) I think she's been watching uh, some of her cartoons and like, uh, was it Hotel Transylvania, The, the, the lady who climbs the walls. So at the moment, yeah, that's what her thing is. But hopefully she'll be, uh, you know, climbing mountains and uh, running marathons. She's joined me for one park run. I think she's on my shoulders for most of it. Uh, but um, yeah, uh, can't wait, her, wait for her to get outdoors. And it's amazing how she kind of recognises what I do for charity. When she sees, when she's watching YouTube and a charity advert pops up, there's loads of them because it's uh, my personal account. And uh, she's like, oh, Dad, it's, it's a poor people. Uh, we need to give them some money. And she'd actually go to to find some money like, oh, can we put it in the in the charity box uh, and I think she's kind of been instilled with that naturally that sort of passion uh, and humanitarianism from a really young age and I, and I absolutely mm. love love that compassion that she has she'll be getting all of those year one kids pocket money I'd love it if she kind of uh, follows the, in the same sort of spirit of, 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 of fundraising but yeah, in other parts of my life, uh, yeah, family is, uh, you know, hugely important. I come from a big family of uh, seven siblings. And of course, you know, we lost my father a few years ago. 
so for me kind of just you know keeping the family together is important and at the same time just trying to fulfill uh, you know rights of to my own family my wife and my daughter it's very challenging at times especially when tr- home sorry work takes you away from home when I'm having to travel you know last year I was, I was away for Kilimanjaro trekking in Peru uh, away running the Berlin Marathon uh, I was away for the Palestine Marathon for another week uh, I was visiting refugee camps in Bangladesh amongst many other things a lo- lot of domestic travel as well so you know work takes you away from home so and I think work really kind of affected family life but I've kind of finally found a bit of good balance where I've set my own priorities, ensuring that when I am at home, I give quality time to my daughter and my wife. It's, it's, it's horrible. It's taken me like over four years to kind of establish that uh, balance because I feel so guilty. Even when Aisha was born four years ago, I was just so busy in, in fundraising that I just wasn't where I needed to be uh, emotionally uh, enough. Uh, and I think that's one thing, one bit of advice that I hope uh, I can give to all sort of fundraisers that as much as we do good for the world and our charities, charity starts at home and it's important that we, we be a bit selfless sometimes, selfish sometimes. And, you know, just, uh, it's not bad to be selfish and we have to look after ourselves and our others, sorry, our, our family before, before we kind of, you know, help others and, and charity elsewhere. Yeah. That's a really, really good point. Really good point. And, I mean, I know we we we've, we've probably kept you kept you longer than than maybe you'd hoped, Haroon. But I, I just wanted to look at the future. And I mean, you said you know next Ramadan hundred thousand pounds. We've got that recorded now, so you're not getting <laughs> you're not getting beyond that. Um, James will sponsor you a fiver, probably. You know, you, you do well to get a fiver out of him. Um, but yeah, what what's what's coming up? What 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 are your hopes for the, for the future? I mean, obviously beyond COVID, and obviously a lot of events yeah. coming up. Busy time in terms of penny appeal, I'm sure. I mean, you've got your your emergency appeal, which is focused on the what's going on in Yemen at the moment. Um, what what's the future hold for you? Uh, for me, uh, on a personal capacity for like running, I've just started this year to kind of take running a bit more seriously again because the last couple of years my fitness has declined. I've been so busy, like I mentioned, you know, not prioritizing my own recreational time, that I'm helping other people achieve their own goals and not focusing on myself. Uh, I was up to 91 kg in December, the heaviest I've been in my entire life. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm training five times a week at the moment. Uh, I'm hope, I wish and hope that I can complete the six major marathons. So if the others get cancelled uh, this year, then hopefully get a chance to run them uh, next year. In terms of fundraising, I've got an idea. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I've got an idea. Well, because like, the virtual sort of side of fundraising works so well this year, like running in Ramadan, it just seems uh, like too good an idea. I shouldn't kind of uh, neglect. Maybe I should build on that. And I've seen so many other people take inspiration from what I've, do, I've done. Uh, I'm thinking I could probably double the distance what I did this year. So around 260, I'm thinking maybe running 500 kilometers in Ramadan next year. But more importantly, maybe run the London Marathon as part of that whilst fasting. I mean, to run 42 kilometers in one go whilst fasting and not having any food or drink. Sounds scary, but if I was to carry on training, I think I could get to that uh, level of fitness. And I can also kind of maybe be pioneering in that aspect and kind of show people that, you know what, you, you can really do serious business uh, physically if you put your mind to it, but also... Um, you know set new standards for sort of fundraising as well and I'm, I'm excited about that 
idea at the same time thinking god like i've got to train really hard if i want to do it um, I've got a dry mouth just thinking about it to be honest so <laughs> I don't know how you can do it. yeah that's maybe 500 kilometers uh while fasting in ramadan which is about 10 miles per day which is a lot yeah. a lot to be running because the fasts are 18 hours no food and drink yeah. uh, but then to run the london marathon as part of that like that's like yeah could be insane. well if anyone on this call can do it it's, it's not me and Kenny. That's right. That's right. No, I mean, I think, you know, that, that sounds amazing. And uh, of course, health and safety, I'm sure you're kind of covering all that off. And I'm sure anything that you set your mind to, you can do and achieve. And I hope that you continue to, to inspire others. And thank you for inspiring us. Thank you for, for sharing your story and keep doing what you're doing. But we're not going to let you go yet. We've, okay. got some, we've got a couple of quick questions for you. Okay. James, do you want to start okay. on these quick-fire questions? Go on, I'll go first then. Uh, if you could transport back in time and meet your 20-year-old self, what piece of advice would you give and why? It's probably not to give your details to the charity rep, I would imagine. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, 20 years old. What was I doing at 20? I was still at university, right? No, yes. Yes, I was still at university. I'm not sure. Because... I was going to kind of maybe suggest that, you know what, gamble and go into the charity sector earlier. But if, if I hadn't, say, worked for five years in, in, in that hospital in London, I wouldn't have kind of built the sort of life experiences I have and, uh, you know, to work in such a, a magnificent hospital in London, one of the best in, in, in the country and in the world for what it pioneers for. I'm not, I'm not sure. 20 years i think yes start uh, fundraising now set a million pound no, target for I, my life <laughs> no i i think it'd be more about on, on a personal capacity to value family uh family more than anything else uh, mm. you know I, I i lost my father you know six seven seven years ago and he died in tragic uh, circumstances uh, after a car accident uh it would be to kind of make the most of uh, of time that i have with my family uh, particularly my dad i just you know i, I can't go back in time now and I want to I wanna hug him and I want to embrace him and just speak to him and find out more about what I didn't know about my dad. Uh, so I, I, it'd be that. And especially because, you know, I've been married nine years and uh, since working in the charity, I've kind of been AWOL. So like for me, if, if I could go back, I'd just want to you know, spend more, spend more time with family and your loved ones and value every single moment. And yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's a good one. That's a good one. Okay, next question. Can you tell us about one life hack or a productivity tool or a skill or something that you've taught yourself recently that you think everybody needs to know about? I've recently started frying like really good eggs. Like... <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Come on then, yeah. reveal it. Reveal it. Yeah, I, I love fried eggs. Like It's my favorite sort of like breakfast, eggs, beans, toast, or whatever it is. Um, I think the key is like you know cooking it really really slowly like on a slow gas and don't rush it eat. and I, I like it um, you know with, with the egg yolk still runny so you know don't overcook it just cook it slow you know show it a bit of love and when you flip them eggs over like they'll taste good yeah <laughs> so yeah I want to see uh, see <laughs> oh, the, 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 the funny thing is last 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 week uh, I posted a picture of my breakfast. It was fried egg with fried bananas. I don't know if you've had fried bananas before. No. And uh, <laughs> uh, people were like, like, fried bananas? Like, fried bananas and egg? And some were like, yuck, that's horrible. 
And some people are like, oh, I'm going to give it a try. And one lady like tweeted a picture saying, oh, Haroon, that's such an amazing recommendation. My, my son hardly ever eats stuff. But when I suggested this, like he ate it and like showed a picture of her, her plate. And it was just <laughs> <laughs> amazing. By the way, I don't cook, yeah? Like, I don't cook anything, yeah? And I'm, I'm, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I do fry eggs. So when my family, like, screenshotted this conversation on, on, on Twitter and they had a right or laugh, like, here's Haroon giving tips he doesn't even cook. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I think we might expect some uh, pictures of fried banana and fried eggs coming I'm on ex- this. I'm expecting a, a cookery book coming out soon, <laughs> fundraising recipe. Put a, bit of, put a bit of sugar over the egg. Sorry, not over the eggs. A bit of sugar over the uh, bananas. And it just caramelizes a little bit more and you eat it with toast and it's like really juicy. Like it's really nice. Oh. Just fry in a bit of butter. Simple. <laughs> simple. This is brilliant. Brilliant. There we, there we go. Final question for you then. As a podcast that is focused around people doing more good, what is your favorite story or inspiring individual you have met recently who has done something good for others? Inspiring person who has done something good. I mean, lockdown, I've not met anyone. (laughs) (laughs) So you're asking uh, somebody inspiring or somebody who's done good recently? Yeah, just someone you've met recently who's... I can't think of anyone particular, to be honest. However, since lockdown, I've been... uh, I've loved seeing the unity of our community, the charities, and just generally how people are getting together supporting those in lockdowns, handing out food, uh, dropping off food to the NHS, fundraising, uh, doing crazy ventures. I think generally, like, what it's what, what people have, have done is just insane. Like, sometimes it takes crisis to kind of provoke uh, all of this crazy stuff, uh, which mm. is funny in a way. Just the same way uh, it took... Um, the government to change their, their, their policies with regards to whatever uh, Marcus Rashford was com- campaigning for, like, it shouldn't kind of, it shouldn't take a footballer, a young footballer of age 22 to do that. But I mean, he's someone who's done something ex- exceptionally well. I've not met him, but to see what he's done, uh, which is going to affect millions of people, uh, mm. young people, which is, is, is absolutely amazing. And I think mm. uh, that's a, a true example of what we've been seeing uh, in lockdown here in, in the UK and globally, uh, how people are coming together and, uh, you know, showing the true spirit of, of humanity, the true spirit of charity and fundraising. I love the uh, London Marathon did with the 2.6 challenge and all of the other stakeholders who got involved to kind of do this. It's a, I guess it's a different topic, but again, it's just in line with what's kind of happened since lockdown, mm. uh, you know, coming together solely to help UK charities who are struggling and because of this platform, it's helped people like me kind of push myself even further, be more creative, innovative, achieve uh, amazing things. So, yeah, you know, top marks to everyone who's doing good. Keep doing good. Be good yourself and encourage more good. And I guess that's what uh, your podcast is about as well. Matt, you have just summed it up. We can just chop it off there. <laughs> chop it off there. Haroon, that was absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. If anybody wants to find you, if they're not following you already on every social media platform, and this is where we're going to hear. Have you got TikTok yet, by the way? I'm on TikTok, yeah. Are you? Oh, I haven't seen that one. <laughs> Come, where, where, where can people find you if they want to, want to find out more, they want to reach out and maybe interested in some of the things you mentioned? 
Yeah, if you search the hashtag Run Motor Run, which is my most uh, busy hashtag right now, that's probably the easiest way to find me, Run Motor Run, Run, okay. M-O-T-A Run, and you'll find me on uh, all social media or just search my name, Harun Motor. Uh, but yeah, I'd love for people to connect with me on social media. If people have any queries about challenges I'm undertaking or you know fundraising practices or if people are needing a bit of advice or whatever it is, or if you're just interested in seeing uh, a guy, a very sweaty bearded guy running all the time. Uh, you know, just give us a follow. With some fried eggs and banana. That's where the, <laughs> that's where the queries are going to come. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Brilliant. James, any final thoughts? I don't think so. That was amazing. I'm off to join TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> TikTok is, uh, yeah, it's a bit different, but I, I quite like TikTok. It's, it's funny. It's all the silly, dumb stuff that kind of goes viral on it. Yeah, uh, that's, yeah. yeah that definitely fits James's mould. Um, <laughs> all right, guys, we'll wrap it up there. Look, thank you very much, Arun. James, we'll see you soon. Back for yeah. another episode very soon. Awesome. Take care. Cheers, thank guys. You. Thank you. So, James, just wrapped up another fantastic episode, if I don't say so myself. How did you find it? It's all right, wasn't it? <laughs> anyone wants to kind of follow up and actually enjoy this thing where can they find us well we're on twitter kenneth at do more good pod instagram at do more good pod have we gone multi-channel and even gone to youtube we have but you can find all those videos on the website do more good.uk and if you want to contact us by email please use contact at do more good.uk 